Welcome back to Inside Fantasy Football, one of the fastest hours in fantasy sports. We're going to go over all of the matchups and the fantasy relevant players within each matchup in week 10. Uh, We are going to get started by telling you the bye weeks this week. Make sure you get your players out of the lineup from these teams. Broncos, Texans, Jaguars, Patriots, Eagles, and Redskins. It is called the Bipocalypse for a reason. It's insane that the NFL does their scheduling like this, but it also is very apparent that when the NFL does the scheduling, they are not thinking about fantasy football. You can get in touch with me at toddsfantasypicks at gmail.com. That's toddsfantasypicks at gmail.com. Or hit me up on Twitter. That is inside FFWT. That is at inside FFWT. Give me a follow. I'll follow you back. Ask me anything you need or just have some combos with me on there. I enjoy those as well. Uh, if you email me at the toddsfantasypicks at gmail.com, please let me know what your scoring system is. I'm still getting a ton of emails and they're not telling me if it's PPR, half PPR, standard. It makes a difference with the fringe players, especially, you know, the top players, usually it doesn't matter. Uh, But when you get to certain receivers, especially uh, backs that catch the ball, uh, players like Cole Beasley and those type of guys, uh, Hunter Renfro, they're going to be more... uh, PPR relevant than they're going to be standard. Uh, I'm sure you understand that, and I understand that a lot of times you're in a hurry, and I'm just one of a batch of guys that your community came with for your information. And I do my best, anyways, if you don't give that information. But if you want more accurate information, please let me know the scoring system uh, and your question of what players would I use, and I'll give you my input. Once again, Broncos, Texans, Jaguars, Patriots, Eagles, and Redskins. I understand people are busy, they're working, uh, and don't check their lineups, mess with their lineups until the weekend, Thursday, late Thursday, if you're dealing with Thursday night game. Uh, I understand all of that, but please remember to insert those players. And in that same vein, I also want to get to, guys, if you're out of it, if you are 2-7 and seven right now, uh, one and eight. It doesn't matter. If you're at the bottom, you know you're not going to make the playoffs. Do not check out. Do not check out on your league because it could help the guys at the top. They need you to give 100% because you may be dealing with somebody that's on the fringe of the playoffs. They need if reverse it. Next year, you could be that guy that needs to get in the playoffs and they're playing one of the guys at the bottom that's been dealing with some injuries. Now he has some guys coming back. And he could possibly beat that guy that they need to get into that position to make the playoffs. It's only fair. It's part of it. You're not going to win it every year. I have a league this year. Luckily, it's only one league that I'm pretty much bottomed out in. But I just made a series of bad decisions. It's all my fault. I dealt with a lot of injuries. I'm not going to use any excuses. It happens. That's part of fantasy. But in that league, I am still hitting the waiver wire. I am still doing my best to to win each week. Uh, not only for pride, but also to be fair, to uh, help uh, the guys that need the help that have earned their spot in the top four, top six, depending on how your playoffs are set up. Uh, it's just part, I know it's only fantasy sports and it's a computer online, your phone and all that stuff, but I can I approach it like an athlete, uh, like a sporting event where uh, you should give 100% each week in fantasy football. And that really... Uh, is tested when you've had a really crappy year. I had a team that I put all my chips in with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Both were injured. Uh, In that same league, same team, I also had A.J. Green. I've been waiting on him all year. Got burned. Um, I drafted Montgomery too early. Uh, It's just one of those leagues where I learned a lot of lessons. Um, Luckily, I didn't make that mistake in my other leagues. And uh, like most fantasy uh, podcast hosts, you know, I'm in 12 different leagues. So, uh, you know, you kind of absorb it a little bit better when you have a lot of leagues. But I understand most people out there in one or two, maybe three, uh, you know, leagues with their friends, co-workers, stuff like that. And it hurts a little bit more when it's condensed, when you only got a few leagues. And I understand that. But just don't be that guy. Give it 100% every week. Never, ever just bottom out and not put guys in or leave guys on a buy uh, in your starting lineup. It's not a good look. It's not fair. Uh, and I just wanted to get that out because I've seen that in a couple leagues. 
Uh, some leagues have been taken over by the league over this, and it's not it's not fun. It makes it it's just such a bad look. And you never know when you're going to be on the other end of that. All right, I'll get off my uh, soapbox on that. Uh, First thing we're going to do is we're going to get this Thursday night game. Like I've said a million times on my past podcasts, I am not a fan of Thursday night games. I personally, of course, was never an NFL player or anything like that. Uh, But to think that these guys can play on a Sunday and you know go through about 20, 25 car wrecks because these guys are running really fast, they're really big. They're hitting really hard for three hours on a Sunday. You can only imagine how sore and beat up they are on a Monday. And then you expect these guys to turn around two or three days later and do it again. Um, it really affects fantasy football because they usually they play a little bit differently. Uh, there's a different approach with the usage of running backs doesn't affect receivers as much, it seems, but it definitely affects running backs, and it affects the overall game plan a lot. Uh, there's got to be a change with this next uh, you know, collective bargaining agreement. Uh, maybe do a Friday or a Saturday where it's a day or two earlier. Give them that extra day or two. Why not have a Saturday slate or... I know it's just one game. Do a Saturday special, you know, uh, maybe a Saturday primetime, or if it's not early enough for the NFL, do a Friday night primetime. And for some reason, and maybe there's a point to this, they think the ratings won't be as good on a Friday over a Thursday. I haven't got all the details of why they think that, but I personally believe for the players, if you need to have that game, I mean, in my personal opinion, they should just all happen on Sunday with a Monday night game. Sunday night game is fine. That doesn't affect anybody. Uh, But Sunday, Sunday night, and Monday night is really what it needs to be. But if they want that extra game, it's got to be moved to Friday or Saturday, in my opinion. Thursday night is just too early. Uh, A lot of these teams don't even practice uh, in any kind of pads. Uh, The game plan usually is pretty vanilla. They don't have a ton of time to prepare. And it's just not a good look. The gameplay, luckily this year we've had some pretty decent Thursday night games. Last week's 49ers-Cardinals was pretty good. Uh, But most of the time the games are sloppy. Uh, The players just are not running at 100%. It's that simple. That's just my opinion. I know I'll get some heat for that in the emails, uh, but that is just my opinion. Trust me, I love football like the next guy. I wish they could play every day, Uh, but it's a different animal. It's a a very, very physical sport, and I'm all about having the players out there at 100% so we can see them perform and enjoy that at 100%. It's not as much fun to me to watch a bunch of backups playing, and when the starters are playing, you can tell they're playing at you know, 80%. Uh, but anyways, all right, we're going to get to the games. We got to get to all of the games covered within the hour. Luckily, since there's so many teams on by, I should be able to fit it within the hour. So we're going to start off with the Thursday night game, which is actually a good matchup. Both teams have something to play for. The AFC is uh, pretty terrible this year. So a lot of these teams that would usually be on the fringes and possibly out of any possibility of getting in the playoffs kind of have a chance because there's only a few teams that are dominating in the AFC. The NFC is where all the power is this year. Chargers and Raiders are both in that same boat. Uh, The Raiders and John Gruden need some credit here. Gruden has done an amazing job with the talent and all the Antonio Brown drama that he went through at the beginning of the season, Uh, how he's using Josh Jacobs, what he's done with Derek Carr and the protection of Derek Carr with that piece together line that they're using, uh, the minimal uh, weapons that they have at receiver. It's unbelievable what he's done. And I am one of those guys, I am not a huge John Gruden fan, uh, but this year he's really changing my tune. I think he's really upped his game and he's done a great job in Oakland. All right, but Chargers and Raiders, we'll start on the Raiders side. Uh, Carr to me is a uh, he's not a top 12, but he's just outside my top 12 rankings. Uh, but he is still a startable streamer if you choose to go that road. I personally would try to find another route this week. The Chargers have been on fire. They got Melvin Ingram back. I would worry this week if you had Carr, but he still should be somewhat viable. He's just not going to put top-tier numbers up against that Chargers defense. 
They run an old style offense there in Oakland. Uh, so Carr is a little bit risky to me. Uh, Tyrell Williams, if he plays, is a startable wide receiver. Waller and Morneau uh, are both startable at tight end. Waller is a definite tight end one. You have to start him week in, week out. Morneau is uh, the rookie out of LSU is, or Moreau, sorry. I get his name messed up all the time. Uh, he has been scoring touchdowns. He doesn't get a ton of targets, but they seem to look for him in the red zone. So he is a risky streaming play this week. And he is my sleeper on that side of the ball, along with Hunter Renfro. He is another riskier play. I would mainly stick to him in PPR formats. I would stay away from him in standard. But Hunter Renfro is another sleeper play at wide receiver for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs is a load him up, start him week in, week out running back. He's an RB1. The only reason why he's just outside RB1 in most rankings, including mine, is they tend to use... Washington and Richard a little bit uh, too much in my opinion but I say that he is still getting you know close to 30 touches a game uh, you know high 20s mid 20s at the lowest they are using Jacobs even with a little bit banged up shoulder he's had he is definitely definitely especially against the Chargers who are uh, run deficient defense Jacobs is a must start this week and if you want to get crazy Washington or Richard could be streamers if you're really bottomed out in a very deep league. There's really, yeah, we're going to go ahead and move on to the Chargers because the Raiders, they're a little bit limited. They've been making it work on offense. They're an efficient offense overall. Uh, but fantasy-wise, they tend to be a little bit limited. Waller and Jacobs are definitely your two top plays with Tyro Williams following behind them. On the Chargers side, uh, Phillip Rivers is a streamable quarterback. I do think uh, that the Raiders uh, will probably lose this game. I think the Chargers have been hot coming in. These two teams are very even in my mind. It is a 50-50 shot as far as who's going to win this game. But if I had to make a decision right here on the spot, uh, it would be the Los Angeles Chargers to me. I think they're starting to put it together. They changed coordinators. They looked great against Green Bay. Defense is playing better. The fantasy assets on that team are going to be Rivers. Melvin Gordon is a must-start. Austin Eckler is a very risky flex this week, but I do think he's going to be involved in that passing game. Not so much in the running game. I think they've kind of made a decision. Gordon is going to be the man with the new coordinator there. But I do think, not only on rest plays for Gordon, I do think they're going to have Eckler in the mix and they're going to use him in the flats where he can use his abilities. I do think he has a possibility for a touchdown, maybe not a ton of yards and receptions. I'm thinking five receptions, 69 yards, and a touchdown is probably his ceiling, but it is very possible. They do like to use Eckler in the passing game, which is a smart move for the Chargers if Gordon is playing at 100% like it appears to be. Hunter Henry is a tight end one. Start him week in, week out. Keenan Allen has been very risky. I know he's been dealing with injuries, but I think you still have to start him. You did not draft Keenan Allen when he is starting a game in Oakland to bench him. You've got to play him. It's like Zach Ertz last week. He's been driving people crazy all year, but you've got to start the guy. You've got to start these top-end guys. They will struggle. They are human. Defenses will game plan for them. Keenan Allen is one of those guys. He fits in that category. You've got to start him week in, week out. He's too good to sit on your bench. You don't know when him and Rivers are going to reconnect and go off, especially against a weak Raiders secondary. Mike Williams is, I hate to say sleeper, but the way he's played this year, he's been a disappointment overall. But I do think Mike Williams has a good game tonight for the Chargers. Once again, I've got the... Chargers winning. It's going to be close. We're going to move on to the Ravens at the Bengals. Bengals are going to start Finley, the rookie quarterback, over the Red Rifle. Uh, it's a move. I really don't think it's going to make much of a difference. At least they're going to get to look at the kid. I'm sure that Dalton is going to move on after this year and go to the Bears or another team that's going to need a quarterback. Uh, maybe one of those bottom teams that are looking for quarterbacks. If the Dolphins miss out on Tua, maybe Dalton goes down there. Who knows? But I don't think after the way the Bengals handled the Dalton situation here at their bye week, 
uh, not giving them any time to look around. You can pretty much say the Andy Dalton days are over in Cincinnati, barring an injury to Finley. Finley is not startable. We've got to see what he does. But if you're in a deep, deep league, there's one league I'm playing that is 18 teams. And I know some people that play with 24 teams. Some play with 16. If you're in one of those leagues and you have no choice because there's nothing left, you might as well see. He looked great in the preseason. If you're a bottom team in one of those, you know, you're you're 1-8 and or 2-7 and and you had uh, Dalton as your quarterback, give Finley a shot. I'm curious to see what he's going to play. But in regular 12-team leagues and below, uh, Finley is too risky. A.J. Green is not going to play this weekend. That just came out today. Mixon is a very, very risky flex against the Baltimore Ravens. I would try to not play Mixon this week. Baltimore has been better against the run. They are looking like one of the top, if not the top team in the AFC. I expect this to be an absolute blowout. So the only hope you have for Mixon or Finley, really, this is going to include the receivers I'm about to talk about as well, is in garbage time. Because I think the Ravens are going to get up you know, 24, 28 to nothing, maybe 28 to 3, 31 to 3 around there by third quarter. Uh, you're going to get uh, some pullback at that point, uh, playing some more prevent defense, and you'll get some garbage time from maybe Mixon and company if they decide to keep them in there. That puts Bernard in a possible mix if you're in a uh, deep flex uh, just because of garbage time. Tyler Boyd is a very risky wide receiver three. Auden Tate sounds like he's going to play. He's probably just as risky as Boyd, maybe even a little bit riskier. Uh, Basically what I'm getting at is I would shy away, including the tight ends, Tyler Eifert, I would shy away from Bengals in this game. Really, the only Bengal that's worth even thinking about to me is Joe Mixon or Bernard if you're going to go deep, deep sleeper because of cleanup time. Garbage time is going to be your only hope. On the Ravens side, Lamar Jackson must start. Andrews at tight end must start. I even think Hollywood Brown at wide receiver, his healthiest game in weeks, They don't have much there in Cincinnati defensively. I think he's ready to have a big game. It's been many, many weeks since he's had one. This looks like a week Hollywood Brown should have a pretty good game, especially in that first half when they jump way up. Uh, I think Lamar's going to go down the field on this terrible defense a few times. Hollywood should be the recipient of one or two of those bombs, maybe a touchdown included. So Hollywood Brown is a startable wide receiver too this week since there's so many teams on a bye he is going to slide into that top 24 pretty easily. Also, the sleeper on the bang, uh, on the Raven side for me that I think could have a pretty good game that showed up a little bit uh, against the Patriots that I think kind of shows the overall game plan of the Ravens using multiple tight ends. A Boyle at tight end for the Ravens is a sleeper tight end this week. I think he'll get a, a red zone look or two. Sneed is also a sleeper at wide receiver. I would shy away from him, but if you're in a situation, he could be playable. Of course, I have the Ravens blowing out the Bengals. There's no need for a score. It's going to be a lot to a little. I can promise you that. On the Bills... At Browns matchup. This one's pretty interesting. You got two teams that are still trying to find their identity. The Bills are on the higher end. They've got the better record. They've had the better schedule. Uh, It's been less crazy on their end. Uh, You kind of know who they are. Uh, The Browns are still trying to prove something. I have the Browns winning this game. I think it's a game where the Browns have their backs against the wall. The media, everybody calling for Freddie Kitchens to get fired everybody's against Baker Mayfield all of a sudden. He was the golden boy coming into the season, and now people are worried about him shaving his mustache three times during the game. I mean, they are just breaking this kid down, and deservedly so. He's played terrible. The offensive game plan's been terrible. He's seeing ghosts in the pocket. It's very, very obvious he's rattled. Remember, guys, he's young. It's his second year. He's dealing with a bad offensive line. He's obviously dealing with a bad coaching staff. We need to show some patience with Baker. It's just going to be one of those years, as they say. But I also think here in the second half, 
I do think they're going to turn it around a little bit. They're not going to continue to be as bad as they have been these first eight games. I still do not have Baker in the top 12. I think he would be a deep play at this point. I think Nick Chubb is a must start. Do not worry about Kareem Hunt. And if you have Kareem Hunt, you're looking at about 8 to 10 touches in this game. Very, very, very risky flex play due to just, he's not going to get anywhere near the load that Chubb is going to get. Very risky play. And Nick Chubb is great. I know he's had a couple rough weeks lately. Do not take Nick Chubb out of your lineup. He is one of those running backs that is going to get the ball every week and has the ability to score at any time. He needs to be started every week no matter what happens. He's just in that category of leave him alone. Nick Chubb must be started. OBJ I know has been risky, but like I said, I do have the Browns winning this game. I think him and Mayfield will connect even against a good pass defense in Buffalo. It's just getting to that boiling point. OBJ showed some anger on the sidelines last week. So I do think we're going to have a squeaky wheel game with OBJ. I'm predicting over 100 yards and at least one touchdown. It doesn't mean that Baker's going to have the best of days, but just for OBJ, I do think Baker and Kitchens and that offense are going to try to funnel to him the best that they can. You've got to get, especially when your back's against the wall, season's probably over. They've got to get their ball, the ball into their best player's hands when they can. That includes Chubb, OBJ, and Joku when he comes back. Mayfield needs to settle down. They've got to protect that kid. Uh, he is just looking jittery back there, making bad decisions. I invested a lot into Baker Mayfield in my leagues. It's caused me to stream and scramble my quarterbacks in a lot of my leagues. Luckily, it didn't kill me in most of those leagues, but it's been a pain. So I understand people out there with the frustration with Baker Mayfield. He's sitting on a lot of waiver wires for a reason right now. I do think they turn it around, though, once again. And my sleeper for the Browns this week. OBJ is your startable wide receiver for the Browns. Chubb, Hunt, very risky. Uh, Once again, Hunt is a very risky flex play. But my sleeper that they go to a lot in the red zone is Harris at tight end. And Joku is not back yet. And they like Harris, tight end for the Browns, in the red zone. They really look for that guy a lot in the red zone. So if you need a deep play at tight end, Harris for the Browns might be a decent play. And these deep plays are not bad on this Bipocalypse week. There's a lot of teams on bye. A lot of people are getting hit hard. So if you're in that situation where all the tight ends are gone, you're looking at that waiver list going, I have no clue. Harris for the Browns is probably on there and he has a chance to get you a touchdown they a ton of red zone looks throughout the year for Harris on the Bills side Singletary is a must start in my opinion uh, the Gore is starting to fade a little bit he's a pretty old guy I love Gore. I mean don't get me wrong he deserves all the respect in the world been around a long time he has stayed healthy for most of his career lots of rushing yards fourth all time love Frank Gore Uh, but it's time for Devin Singletary to shine here in the second half this is what a lot of us and I'm one of the big proponents I've been holding on to him on a lot of benches this year it was great to see him pay off last week and I think that's going to continue I don't think the Browns are going to just let him run crazy but I do think you get a touchdown he's used in both the passing and the running game Josh Allen will be looking for him. Josh Allen, to me, is a top 12 startable quarterback. He's on the back end of that top 12, but he is a startable quarterback this week. I would start him over Jacoby Brissett against the Dolphins. I think that Brissett is a risky play with his knee. So that kind of gives you an idea where I think Allen is. They're in the same area. John Brown is startable this week. He's always the only wide receiver that's startable in all formats. But Cole Beasley is startable in PPR. He has scored the last three games. Cole Beasley only in PPR or half PPR. He's even a little risky in half PPR. But if you're in a full PPR, Cole Beasley is a usable but risky play at wide receiver. And if I had to choose out of the all the tight ends that they use in their system in Buffalo... Uh, I would choose Dawson Knox as a possible streaming tight end for the Bills. Risky, but he is streamable. 
The Bills DST, the Ravens DST, and the Chargers DST are all usable in these first three matchups we covered. All right, we're going to move on to the Lions at the Bears. If you listen to my last podcast, I went off about David Montgomery and how Matt Nagy drives me nuts with his play calling. He's one of the worst fancy play callers in the NFL. He thinks he's great, and he calls all these great little trick plays and all this crap. He's he's in his own head way too much. He needs to simplify and just get the ball into his best player's hands. And David Montgomery... I don't care about how he's not fast or he's had, you know, yards per carry here. He's had a bad line. Give him some time. Give that line some time to meld, which is starting to happen in Chicago. He looked last week was rough. They played against one of the top three run defenses in the NFL in the Philadelphia Eagles. So he still scored two touchdowns. That alone, the red zone usage for Montgomery, when they get inside that, they've tried the Cohen thing inside the 10, 15 yard line in that green zone, and it does not work. He's just simply too small. Speed in a condensed area does not work the same as it does in a midfield open situation. That's where Cohen needs to be used. Once they get into that red zone, it needs to be heavy David Montgomery, and they've done that at times, and usually when they do that, they're successful, and I think finally, the most stubborn coach in the NFL, Matt Nagy, is starting to realize that. Luckily, I mean, horribly, actually, it's too late probably for the Chicago Bears as far as a playoff run. Uh, he should have realized this week two with David Montgomery. Week one with David Montgomery, but he did not. And when he did, he's had those few games where he gave him 20 touches. They were not the right 20 touches. You need to get him in open space. You need to give him time to uh, create something. And he was giving it to him in bland run plays right up the gut. And you just can't do that with that type of talent. You've got to get him in situations, bubble screens, whatever you can do to get him in that open space. He makes people miss. He breaks tackles. But you got to get him there. And I think this week, against a weaker Detroit Lions defense, is the week for David Montgomery to step up. I would stay far away, even against the Detroit Lions. I am, I will be honest, I can't stand Mitchell Trubisky. I just think he's terrible. I think Matt Nagy's play calling is terrible. Uh, I just do. I, I think the two of them are a nightmare together. I really do. I think Nagy thinks he's better than he is. And I, nothing against Trubisky. I know the kid's giving it 100%. But he's a backup quarterback. He's a backup quarterback at best. He is not a starter in the NFL. He's not. I have not seen anything. He's had little tiny flashes. But all those backups you see on these teams, they can have little flashes as well. It happens. So stay away from Trubisky in my opinion. Still start Allen Robinson when Trubisky does make his decision to throw. To a fault because he locks in, and that's why he's such a horrible quarterback. He doesn't look off any defenses ever. Uh, but he locks in on Allen Robinson when he does get to throw, and I think he will play action quite a bit. I expect a lot of run action from the Bears this week, but Nagy likes to throw the ball. So Allen Robinson is a must-start for the Chicago Bears this week. Deep sleeper uh, Taylor Gabriel has been quietly productive for the Bears. He's a deep sleeper at wide receiver. Burton, to me, is a benchable tight end. If you have no choice, you can play him, but don't expect much from Burton, even against this Lions defense. On the Lions side of the ball, Tariq Cohen, by the way, for the Bears, is not startable this week, even though I do think they're going to try to change it up because he was horrible against the Eagles. They'll probably try to get him in the flats, but I just haven't seen it enough. He's not connecting this year with Trubisky or this offense very well. I think this will be a David Montgomery game. On the Lions side, Stafford's been great. It's going to be a rough go against the Bears. If you have a better option, I would go with it. If you have to stick with him, he is a crafty veteran quarterback that should get something even against that Bears defense. I, McKissick is your only touchable asset in that Lions backfield. Uh, against the Bears, I would shy away from that. I would not start any Detroit running backs this week. And just because I do think they're going to be behind a bit, the weather is not going to be good in Chicago, so this could be affected. So make note of that. Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are startable, but they're deep wide receiver 
Galladay's a straight-up wide receiver, too. I do think you have to start him. Marvin Jones has been producing quite a bit. I know he doesn't get much respect, but he is a boomer-bust wide receiver three this week. I would stay away from Hawkinson. I've got him in a bunch of leagues. I've drafted him in my dynasty leagues. The kid just does not produce. They give him targets every now and then. You know, it hasn't been every single week. But since he blew up that first week one against the worst team against tight ends in the Cardinals, it has been disastrous. I mean, he just drops balls. He's been dealing with concussions off and on. Uh, If you have to, good luck. But I would try to shy away from TJ Hawkinson this week. I've got the Bears winning that game. Might be close. The weather's not going to be great, but I do think it's going to be a Dave Montgomery day. I think Trubisky will probably do a little bit better in a condensed environment with the weather. Uh, I've got the Bears winning against the Lions. And the Lions have been playing well, and I've loved what Stafford's done this year. But I just have a feeling it's in Chicago with the weather. I think this is going to be a Bears day. We're going to move on to a pretty ugly game. On paper, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, But the New York Giants at the New York Jets... On the Jets side, let's jump right to the Le'Veon Bell situation. He's, uh, I think he's in the process of checking out on this season. He got the MRI without the team's approval. They're saying he's been practicing limited today. He's a little risky. Bilal Powell is the backup there, the true backup. And a lot of people are thinking Montgomery would be, but he's been banged up as well. So if Bell's out and you feel like you have to play a Jet, if Bell's out, I would not play any Jet running backs. But if you have to, it would be Bilal Powell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is startable. If he plays, he's startable probably more so in a PPR format. They like to use him in the passing game. I would shy away from him in a standard format if you could, if you're deep enough. He just, that line is so terrible. And when you have these patient running backs, I should have mentioned this with Joe Mixon. This is the same situation with Le'Veon Bell. When a running back is patient in their style and they're running behind a line that cannot stop anybody, they're in trouble because there's no time for the patience. The line is busting through. Linebackers are flying through. If there's nobody blocked, you don't have time to wait for a hole to produce because no hole is going to get produced. And that's what's happening with Le'Veon Bell. It's not all Le'Veon Bell. Has he been perfect? No. But I've watched these games, and if you go back and watch these games, assuming you haven't got to see them, the people that have been tortured watching the Jets games know what I'm talking about. There's just no time. You can't get a handoff, and there's guys already hanging on you and expect these guys to do something. I mean, Bell really isn't even having time to be patient. He's getting hit as soon as he touches the ball in the backfield. It's just unacceptable. The Jets, Adam Gase is, I mean, Matt Nagy's right there, and I can't stand Matt Nagy. I just can't believe this guy is a head coach in the NFL. But if there's one guy that I am absolutely shocked that he is a head coach in the NFL, and he is without a doubt in my mind the worst NFL head coach right now is Adam Gase for the New York Jets. I don't like anything about the guy. He's got attitude when he's terrible. If you're, you need to be humbled when you're terrible. Like you need to deal with the questions, and you need to do what you got to do to get out of that press room, not looking like a total D, because that is what he looks like. And I don't think the players are behind him. Uh, the play calling is atrocious. Uh, the ruining Sam Darnold, the very good young quarterback. Just, you know, the embarrassment on that Monday night or Thursday night game, or Monday night game when he was talking about seeing ghosts that should have never got released. That's on the NFL. But that gives you a little insight into the kid's head. There's no blocking. You cannot win in the NFL, as boring as it is, without lines. You need an offensive line and a defensive line to win in the NFL. And the Jets really, really don't have an offensive line. And Bell, Darnold, they can't function back there with no time. One game they looked decent, and believe it or not, it was the Dallas Cowboys of all teams. That game gave me hope. It gave a lot of people hope, but for some reason, it seems to be a flash in the pan. Defenses will watch film on that Cowboys game. It looks like they've adjusted. They've realized that this line is horrible, and I think the line has taken a lot of blitzes and heat, and it's not working for Bell or Donald at this point. Jamison Crowder and Robbie Anderson are both startable. 
Uh, Crowder, I think, is a safer bet. I think Robbie Anderson is more of a boomer bust. Uh, the thing with Anderson, if he booms, it's usually a 70-yard touchdown or something. So uh, there is that upside there, but it's uh, it's a rough go right now for any kind of Jets and fantasy. Darnold is not startable. Bell is really just a flex. Uh, honestly, the safest start, believe it or not, on the Jets, in my opinion, is Jameson Crowder. And my deep play of the week for the Jets would be Griffin, tight end. Uh, Griffin from the Texans years ago. Uh, I don't. I think Herndon. They're saying might play. I just. I don't. I haven't seen anything yet. And I think Griffin's look good in the red zone. So uh, that's about it for the Jets. They are tough to look at fantasy wise. I'll tell you that. All right, on the Giants side, uh, Jones at quarterback is startable. Golden Tate is startable. Slayton is a deep, deep play at wide receiver. Doesn't sound like Shepard's going to play this week as well. Ingram is not playing at tight end, so get him out of your lineup. If you need to play a tight end from New York, uh, and he could get some production in this game, would be Ellison. And of course, I don't care how bad last week was. I don't care what his history is or whatever. Saquon Barkley starts in all formats every week. No excuses. Every week. I don't care who they're playing. Period. He is an amazing talent. I actually have the Giants winning that game. I think the Jets are going to continue on their spiral. All right, we're going to move on to the Chiefs at the Titans. This is a pretty interesting game. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with the Chiefs side. Mahomes is going to play. Of course, Mahomes and Hill are must-starts. Kelsey is a must-start. And I also think Damian Williams is a must-start. Even though they're on the road in Tennessee, pretty good defense. I think they're going to use Damian Williams uh, multiple ways. Deep sleeper play would be McCole Hardman for the Chiefs. I think with Mahomes back, you always have that possibility for a deep ball. The Titans' secondary is decimated with injuries. They've lost people for the season, starters. So, McCole Hardman, Hill, and the rest of the gang there are all possibilities. But uh, really, it's focused on Hill. I think people are seeing what he's done the last few weeks. The talent is unbelievable. So, Hill is a must-start. My deep play at wide receiver would definitely be McCole Hardman. I think he's due for a long touchdown from Patrick Mahomes. We're going to move on to the Titans. Uh, Tannehill, I think, is a streamer this week. He's looked pretty good in this offense. He's had some rough moments. The Chiefs are not very good in the secondary, not very good on defense. I think Tannehill is a good streamer this week. Brown would be the, t- the receiver I would choose over Corey Davis in that offense. And I do think that Jonu Smith is a good start at tight end. It sounds like Delaney Walker is still dealing with his injury and will not start, will not play on Sunday. So Jonu Smith is a good streaming tight end as well. If I had to pick a DST in that game, it would be be the Chiefs. I know that the Titans have a better overall defense, but I have a feeling that that Titans offensive line that's been struggling is going to deal with some pressure, and Tannehill is a turnover machine with pressure. So if I had to choose a DST, I would shy away from them both. But if I had to choose one, it would be the Chiefs. And I've got the Chiefs winning that game. I think it's going to be closer than people think. Derrick Henry, by the way, is a must-start for the Tennessee Titans against that Chiefs run defense. Sorry about that. I apologize. Derrick Henry's first and foremost the number one fantasy player on offense for the Tennessee Titans, and he must be started. He's a strong RB2 this week. All right, we're going to move on to the Cardinals at the Buccaneers. Uh, I'm just going to roll through these. There's a lot of players that are relevant fantasy-wise in this game. I've got the Buccaneers winning at home, by the way. Winston is a startable quarterback this week with the Bipocalypse upon us. Both Evans and Godwin are both must-starts. This is the one I'm going to catch a little heat for, but I truly believe it. O.J. Howard is going to have his breakout game this game. You can go ahead and start Braid if you want to. I know the, the past weeks have shown he's the choice of Winston's eyes. But I'm telling you, O.J. Howard is healthy. He hears the media. He knows he's had a rough season. They're playing the team that gives up the most yards to tight ends. You've got to take the chance. I'm doing it in leagues I really care about this week. 
you must start O.J. Howard. I think this is his breakout week. I think at least he'll get a red zone look and maybe a touchdown. You never know with tight ends. If I get you get 40, 50 yards and a touchdown from O.J. Howard, you win the week at tight end, at least, in my eyes. So O.J. Howard, and they're so bad against the tight ends. If you have Brait, I still think he's startable because if for some reason O.J. doesn't get the look, Cameron Brait will. Ronald Jones is a very strong, startable flex this week at running back. Arians gave him the press conference outing that this is the guy I'm going to use at running back. He is our starter going forward. He even used the words, he's earned it. He looked good in Seattle. Ronald Jones, roll him out there this week. I think he is a must play in my opinion. Technically, he's a flex play, but I personally would probably slide him into an RB2 conversation. He must be started this week. For the Cardinals, they've been spreading it out a lot. I think the only startable true asset on that offense right now is Kyler Murray. Outside of Kyler Murray, uh, Johnson is startable. He's going to start this week at running back. Uh, David Johnson, very good back. I know his history. He's, I have him in quite a, in a couple dynasty leagues. I am going to start him, but it is a risky play. The one thing the Buccaneers defense does well, because they do everything else horribly, is stop the run. The catch with David Johnson, the reason why I'm going to start him and why I'm telling you to start him and why he's an RB2 in my opinion is he's used quite a bit in the passing game. They get him out in the flats. They get him down the field a little bit. Kyler Murray is very accurate. He reminds me of a younger and, of course, less talented at this point because Russell Wilson's in another universe right now. Uh, But he reminds me of when Russell Wilson first came into the league. Very accurate. Very mobile. I think he's got a great future ahead of him. And I do think he's startable this week, Kyler Murray. So David Johnson, Kyler Murray, must starts in my eyes. My sleeper on that Cardinals side, the receivers drive me nuts and I try to shy away from them. Fitzgerald's already fading. Uh, But the receiver that I think has a chance to start stepping up here in the second half of the year is Isbella. I think he was a second rounder for them this year or third rounder. Uh, Isbella at wide receiver is my sleeper on the Cardinals side of the ball this week. Once again, I have the Buccaneers winning. Uh, I'm in my head. I'm thinking 27, 24. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. All right, we're going to move on to the Falcons at the saints. Uh, this is going to be really ugly. Uh, I don't see how the Falcons are going to have any chance at pretty much anything against the saints. I'll get the Falcons out of the way because there's not much there. Two players are must-starts, in my opinion. Two totally different reasons why. Uh, the first player is Julio Jones because he's a superstar, and you start him no matter the situation. It just he You never, ever, ever, never, ever, outside of injury, take Julio Jones out of your lineup. Calvin Ridley, I think it's going to be because they're going to be playing catch-up. They're going to have to throw the ball out because you're not going to run on that Saints defense. It's the best run defense in the NFL, hands hands down at this point. Even throwing the ball stuff, I personally think it's one of the best overall defenses this year right now. I mean, the 49ers are obviously number one, uh, but the Cardinals showed some uh, some weak spots last week in that Thursday night game. I do think the Saints are a lot closer to the 49ers than people think defensively. But because I think they're going to have to air it out quite a bit, I do think Ridley is a must-start wide receiver, too, in my eyes. Calvin Ridley. With Sanu gone to, to New England, I think it's time for Ridley to show he's going to be one of the best number twos in the game. Austin Hooper is in that same category as well. He is a top 12 startable tight end this week. No running backs for Atlanta. I wouldn't touch Freeman or anybody. Not against this Saints team in New Orleans. That's not happening. I I would shy away at all costs. If you have to, good luck with Devonta Freeman against the Saints. But I would definitely try to get away from that. On the Saints side, Breeze, Thomas, must-starts. Kamara is playing. He is a must-start. Cook at tight end for the Saints is also, in my eyes, a top 12 tight end this week. And, of course, I have the Saints winning. You're looking at probably a 34-10 to 10 game here. It's going to be ugly. 
All right, we're going to move on to the Dolphins at the Colts. This one's kind of interesting. I'm going to get the Dolphins out of the way. Preston Williams went down for the season last week, so that was a big hit fantasy-wise for the wide receivers. Uh, but I do think it ups one wide receiver into, especially this week with the Bipocalypse, into a strong wide receiver two category. Devontae Parker is startable as a wide receiver two this week. I think Fitzpatrick is going to have to air it out against this Indianapolis team in Indianapolis. So you've got Fitzpatrick, Devontae Parker are your must-starts. I also think Gasicki is a top 12 borderline top 12 tight end as well. So Gesicki, Fitzpatrick is a very much a streamable quarterback, by the way, even though it's the Dolphins, and a very startable wide receiver, Devontae Parker. I would shy away from Balazs or any of the running backs in Miami. I don't trust any of them, whoever they decide to throw out there. Kalen Balazs included. Colts DST, of course, is very startable in this game. Brissett, if he plays, is a must. Uh, well, he's a fringe top twelve quarterback. Uh, if you have to start him, I've got a league where I have him, but I'm going to go ahead and start probably Josh Allen over him. So, that, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, but Brissett should have a pretty decent game if he plays. I would shy away from Hoyer if he comes in. I know he had a good week last week. Uh, if you have to, you can play Hoyer if Brissett doesn't play. Pascal is going to be the wide receiver one this week. Miami's defense is horrific, so Pascal is a must start. I even think Naeem Hines could get some love at a flex in this game. And Chester Rogers at a slot is a very deep, deep play. And it drives me crazy because there's two of them. But I do think that Jack Doyle is probably more of the red zone look with Brissett or Hoyer in there. Ebron's always going to be sneaky, and he's going to come out of nowhere and get a couple touchdowns. That's just how he rolls. He doesn't get a ton of yards. They love him in the red zone. Haven't seen it a ton this year, though, without Andrew Luck. So if I had to choose one, it would be Jack Doyle. Got the Colts winning pretty handily in another blowout game. There's quite a few this week. Uh, Colts should win pretty easily. All right, we're going to move on to a good matchup here. The Rams at the Steelers. Um, I'll start with the Steelers. Uh, I would shy away from Rudolph. I just don't think he's a very good quarterback. I, I like the kid. He seems like a good kid. I just haven't seen anything that makes me think any different. They keep it short and dink and dunk for a reason. That affects everybody, including Juju. So I... And it sounds like from today, Connor has been listed as doubtful. So, God, do you start Jalen Samuels? Yes. You've got to put Samuels in. He's a flex. He's not an RB2 like people were thinking last week. I think he's going to be mainly with how horrible Rudolph is. Uh, they're going to be packing that line quite a bit, So, which is what happened last week. So I don't think he's going to get a ton of rush yards, but he'll be used in the passing game out of the backfield quite a bit. So Samuels is really the only must-start along with McDonald at tight end for me this week. I don't really trust any, and this includes Juju. Not with that Rams defense. I really don't think Rudolph is going to want to drop back too much and give that Rams defensive line, even against a pretty good Steelers offensive line, much time to hit him. That's going to really hurt Juju. So Juju, to me, is a wide receiver, very back-end wide receiver, too, this week. It's sad what's going on this year with Juju, but this is what happens when you lose your star quarterback. So McDonald and Samuels are your safest plays on the Pittsburgh side of the ball. Second tier, somewhat safe, probably more of a flex, Juju Smith-Schuster. And that's about it. I wouldn't, sh- I would not even against, you know, a Rams defense is still trying to find itself a little bit. I think they're getting better every week. Uh, they had a rough start this year. Uh, I would be very conservative with the Steelers, even at home, playing this Rams defense. To me, the Rams DST is the more, uh, even though, I would start the Rams defense over the Steelers DST in this game. But just so you're aware, Goff is not, Jared Goff is not good under pressure. If the Steelers can figure out a way to get pressure on Jared Goff, that Steelers DST could put up some points with turnovers. Goff gets happy feet when he starts getting hit. Steelers are pretty good at rushing the passer. Rams offensive line has struggled a little bit this year. The run game has struggled a little bit this year. So this is not an easy game to pick. I personally think the Rams are going to show up. 
I think they've had a bye week to put it all together. I'm a big proponent of teams coming off bye weeks. They get to prepare for teams, get that extra week of, of, of preparing. And with McVay coming in off a of bye week, I think he's going to fit into that Andy Reid category, Billichick category. When they come off of bye weeks, they are very, very good when they have time to really think about a matchup. So I've got the Rams pretty much taking it to the Steelers this week, and I don't even think it's going to be close. So to me, the Rams DST is startable. On the Rams side of the ball, Cooks is out. He may be out forever. Uh, he's had too many concussions, and he's not just getting little concussions. He's getting knocked out. Uh, Cooper Cup is a must-start. Everett, a tight end, is a must-start. I even think Goff is a startable top-12 quarterback. Reynolds is a risky, boomer bust flex play and in that backfield you still have to go with Gurley at this point but he is a riskier back end RB2 this week I've once again I've got Rams winning uh, I'm thinking it's going to be around 28-17 alright uh, we're going to move on to the Panthers at the Packers on the Packers side of the ball I think they are going to be looking to turn it around after getting blown out by the LA Chargers surprisingly last week I think they're going to come in angry, even though this Panthers defense is pretty good. I've got Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Jones at running back. I even think Williams also is a startable flex at running back. So Williams and Jones are startable. Jones is a strong RB2. Williams is a flex. Adams is a wide receiver one. And I even think Jimmy Graham is a top 12 tight end this week. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers is a top-five quarterback play. If I had to pick a DST, it would be the Packers this week, even though they've been playing horribly. Panthers are going to be in bad weather on the road. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of McCaffrey. They're going to pack that line. They're going to force Allen to throw the ball. Anytime you force a young quarterback into a situation like that where you're putting eight in the box, there's a chance for him to make mistakes with the pressure. And I think that's how this is going to go down. I could be wrong, but that is just my feeling on this game. On the Panther side, Christian McCaffrey, of course, to me, is the MVP just ahead of Russell Wilson. That's not a popular opinion. I think people are overlooking how amazing this kid has been. It's the best running back season I've seen since LaDainian Tomlinson in 06. He needs to get that credit. The problem is Russell Wilson's having one of the best starts to a season I've ever seen as well. So it is a fun run there at the top for MVP in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey, must start. DJ Moore is a must start wide receiver too. I think Greg Olson has a good matchup this week at tight end. I would shy away from any other options, including Samuel uh, if you have to, he's a very, very, very deep wide receiver three play this week, Kurt, Curtis Samuel for the Panthers. It is by pockups. If you have to play Samuel, play him. I just don't think he's going to kill it for you. You're hoping for a touchdown. <clears throat> We're going to move on to the Sunday night game. Vikings, at, by the way, in that Panthers-Packers uh, game, I do have the Packers winning that game. Uh, Vikings at the Cowboys. This one's going to be closer than people think. A lot of people are immediately jumping to the Cowboys in this game. Amari Cooper is going to play, but he's got a bruised knee. It is in Dallas. Since it's in Dallas, I will lean Dallas at home, but I do think it's going to be a better game than people think. I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than people have been giving him credit for. Uh, the Vikings have a very good defense. I think it's going to be a scrappy, scrappy game. Uh, I do think the Cowboys should eke this game out. I think it's going to be very, very close. On the Cowboys side, Dak Prescott is a must-start at quarterback. He's a top 12, quarter, uh, top 12 quarterback this week. Amari Cooper, if he plays, is a must-start. I think Gallup is a little sleepy play. He's been kind of, I know he had a touchdown last week, not many yards. He's been kind of in the shadows the last few weeks. I think this is a good week for Michael Gallup because Amari Cooper is going to play. He's going to pull Rhodes, their top cornerback, towards him. And I think Gallup is going to get that second tier there in Minnesota. And that's where teams have uh, really attacked this Minnesota defense. Therefore, I think Gallup has a little bit of a show-up game here. Jason Witten has been very involved in the uh, offensive game plan for the Cowboys. So Jason Witten, to me, is a startable tight end this week as well. And my sneaky play on, of course, uh, 
Zeke Elliott is a must-start, no matter who the opponent is. Vikings have a pretty good run defense, but Zeke Elliott is still a must-start, of course. My uh, deep play for the Cowboys is Randall Cobb. On the Vikings side, I think the Cowboys are going to jump up a little bit early, and I do think that Cousins is going to get in a situation where they got to catch up. So I do think Kirk Cousins, even though he's playing a very hot Cowboys defense, I think Kirk Cousins is startable at quarterback. He's been hot as well. He's been producing. I think it's going to continue to go that way, even without Adam Thielen. Same with Diggs. Been struggling. I do think this is a game Diggs shows up. It's prime time. Diggs, to me, is a must-start wide receiver too. Rudolph, a sneaky play at tight end. Dalvin Cook is a must-start at running back. If I had to pick a DST in this game, it would be the Cowboys. We're going to move on to the final game, the Monday night game, the Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. I absolutely love both of these teams. And the Seahawks are probably more of the average team. I think the Niners are a top two to three team in the entire NFL. That is how good they are right now. I think Shanahan finally got the pieces he wants on both sides of the ball. They've got a great defensive coordinator there. Uh, Everything has really come together extremely well in San Francisco. Uh, So strong on both sides of the ball. I've got the San Francisco 49ers eking out a win because Russell Wilson is tough when he's playing catch-up. It is tough, but there's one team I think that has the ability to fight off the Russell Wilson end-of-the-game magic. I think it's the Niners. I got the Niners winning 28-27. to I think it's going to be one of those games. Garoppolo's going to get tested. I don't think he's startable this week. I think against the Seattle defense, you're going to see heavy run. They're getting their fullback back, one of the best fullbacks, if not the best fullback in the NFL. So I think Tevin Coleman is startable. I also think Matt Breida is a startable flex. I think Coleman's an RB2. I think Breida's a good, strong flex. Kittle is a tight end one. Emmanuel Sanders is startable. Garoppolo's outside the top 12, but he is a deep streamer this week. And at wide receiver, if I had to pick a uh, wide receiver that could get a gadget play and make something happen, it would be Debo Samuel. On the Seahawks side, even though it's the 49ers, the Cardinals showed that you can run at times on them. Chris Carson is a must-start RB1 this week. Hollister at tight end, a sleeper at tight end. Hollister had two touchdowns last week. For the Seahawks, I even think he's startable this week. Anytime you got a team that has a rush like the Niners, tight ends get used. Hollister for the Seahawks is a sleeper at tight end, a streamer in my eyes. Josh Gordon is coming to the Seahawks this week. I don't think it affects what's been happening. Tyler Lockett is still a must-start at wide receiver, even if Sherman's on him. Same with Metcalf, even if Sherman's on him. I think Metcalf is a strong flex play this week. He's just extremely talented especially with the way Wilson is so accurate it helps out the kid DK Metcalf big time so Metcalf uh, flex play Lockett wide receiver one Hollister risky play at tight end but a streamer in my eyes Wilson QB1 must start Carson RB1 must start you want a super duper deep play if you're in a deep league Rashad Penny might show up in desperation at the end of a game in the passing game but I would shy away from him. Of course, the DST I pick in this game, even though Wilson doesn't turn over the ball, would be the Niners. Carson does turn over the ball. I can see one of the receivers bobbling a ball, fumbling. The Niners play like that. I would choose the Niners DST over the Seahawks DST this week. I've got Niners once again winning 28-27. Should be a great, great Monday night game, by the way. Take your time. Set the time to watch that. All right, guys, we covered week 10. Any questions, hit me up at toddsfantasypicks at gmail.com. Give me a shout on Twitter at InsideFFWT. That is at InsideFFWT. I'll be happy to answer any questions to help you guys get ready for this week. Any questions or if you want to start gearing up for week 11, I always like to stay a week ahead of my emails. 
I always tell people plan a week ahead in fantasy football. I do it in fantasy, but I do every, in all my fantasy basketball, baseball, football. They're all the same to me. You always want to plan, want to plan a week ahead with your matchups. So any week eleven jump ahead questions, don't be afraid to ask me. I'm always prepared on that end. Once again, thanks for joining me on one of the fastest covers of the week in fantasy football. I appreciate you guys. Keep the emails coming. I'm having a blast this year. Good luck in week 10. On to next time, guys. I'm out.